is Sasha Panzialas. And I'm Tanuja Ramchal. This is Seek Human Spaces podcast, where we explore how to embrace our humanness while smashing oppressive norms. Sasha leads the Urban Male Leadership Academy at Peru College. And I thought it would be great to talk to her about the community, given her experience. What has been coming up recently is that we create these spaces and we label them as community, but also it's easy to go into those spaces and feel very alone, where also there are rules of engagement in terms of what you say or what you don't say, and they can feel very transactional. You know, to your point, um, community is having these conversations and we don't normalize that enough. It's about speaking to something that I, I truly believe that a lot of us feel, um, but because of those rules of engagement where almost resistant, afraid, and we just kind of stay away from having these actual open and honest conversations and maybe actually uh, taking the chance on experiencing community in a connected way. Um, so thank you for inviting me because I think to your point, this these are the ways that I find my community. Understanding that the general sense of community usually is transactional and it's transactional in the way that we all agree to certain ways of acting for each other's, not safety, uh, more so sense of comfort. Uh, and I, I think these conversations can be uncomfortable, but um, that's okay. And definitely hearing you when you talk about that sense of comfort, because it's also something that I've been exploring myself in terms of how we prioritize comfort that we can actually see oppression happening or see injustice happening and we don't say anything because that would interrupt that comfort and it's also part of our conditioning that also keeps us disconnected from other people and in terms of not having that true community because also I've had the opportunity in the past month to be in spaces where difficult topics were being talked about and sensing the difference between that and some of the other quote-unquote communities that I've been part of mm -hmm. where someone would say something or they would say you know they would start off this uh when they're saying it they would say this is not something that I've shared with anyone else or they would say this is not something that I would be okay posting on social media because of that fear that you spoke about and also, one of the things that I've heard, and I've shared this with you in, in those communities, is that people say that when I come here, that I don't feel so alone. And I think that's also a feeling that's very prevalent, right? Loneliness, feeling very much alone. And one of the things that that sparked for me is that in community, it's not necessarily that we don't feel so much alone but that we can feel lonely together because that's how we connect right and I feel a lot of times it's this escape kind of mentality and that comes from our programming right our individualistic programming in terms of even going into community wanting to take something for ourselves because I also hear community linked to self-care a lot 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of, oh yeah, what you do for self-care is go find your community because that is going to make me feel better. But also community is not necessarily, and that come, plays into like the comfort that we're talking about, is not necessarily somewhere you go to feel better, but where you can uh, share in those difficult, uncomfortable feelings with mm-hmm. others and knowing that it it makes sense that you feel that way, not making it wrong that you feel uh, lonely or feel angry or feel sad or whatever it is that you're feeling. So I said a lot. No, no, no. You know, I'm when people speak, I'm very visual sometimes. And and like just the way you describe that, I think community and I, I it's cheesy and it almost feels tab- not taboo, but almost like, oh, Sasha, don't go there. But it's 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 love and support. And uh, it reminds me of what family should be. And I say should uh, <laughs> with a lot of emphasis because I I personally don't have a lot of experience with um, what I think I needed from family. And I think a lot of people have that experience as well. And I think it's not solely the family's responsibility. I think it's because of these larger systems that we always talk about that have weighed down so heavily on us culturally. Um, and, you know, it's, pervasive and it's in our every single day and and some people don't know how to combat that and and so we're feeling something or you know you it's just kind of heavy but it, it's not necessarily every anybody's fault but something is happening but I think family to me in the way I would define community as well and is you know your parents kind of holding you and accepting you and loving you even though they may not have agreed with what you said or did, right? It's that unconditional love. And I think so many things, including community and love, have become conditional. And that's why it's so transactional. I come from a culture where uh, emphasis was heavily placed on community. When we operate in a system that cuts us off from that as well, that it, they cut, up, cut us off from having that support that you're trying to get your needs met from sources that can't meet your needs. No, yeah. It, it reminds me of that uh, attachment experiment. Everybody who's a psych, a psych major knows about it. It's like they give the monkey a wire hanger versus a little fluffy blanket, right? And who, um, and then like they start observing their behavior. I mean, and no surprise, uh, the monkey with the wire hanger becomes more isolated. <laughs> they become uh, more withdrawn. Uh, and somehow the monkey with the nice, warm, fuzzy blanket um, feels comforted and supported in a different way. And it's very obvious in the um, observations. But I feel like we've replaced that, you know, figuratively speaking, we've replaced culturally this warm, fuzzy blanket with, in essentially, that is what we need as human beings, right? With that that love, that support uh, with a wire hanger. And we've all been made to believe that the wire hanger is supposed to somehow make us feel good and it's it becomes this individualized process where when the wire hanger isn't making us feel good you look around you go what's wrong with me and I have definitely had that experience I for years have thought that there was something wrong with me Mm -hmm. yeah totally relate to what you're saying I often use this example of saying it's like you're going to Home Depot and to looking for cupcakes yeah, exactly. Home Depot is never going to provide you with cupcakes. And it's like you're trying to win a game that was designed yeah, not for someone like you. And if you're trying to win that game, you will never feel like a winner. Because first of all, it was not designed for you. It was not designed for humans because that's not our way of operating. 
And I, I was watching a video recently and she was talking about specifically about the individualistic versus the collective view of safety. And it comes back to that fear that you were talking about in terms of when we, for example, shop in spaces and we create this version of ourselves, a sanitized version of ourselves in order to feel protected, right? And we don't uh, speak up for others or we don't speak up even for ourselves. And we believe that's safety. Mm-hmm. And we go about doing this and then it also is not safe for others because we do this, right? We don't we don't speak up. So then the space is like, uh, basically everybody has to come in as a sanitized version of themselves to fit in. And then if you're operating a community like that, you see, you know, it's like everybody is basically fake and pretending versus if I speak up based on something that's happening, say an op- oppression or an injustice, I make it safer for you to speak up. So mm. that is community in terms of how do we make it safe for everyone and i also feel that's very much linked to liberation from oppressive systems we also use community uh when we're linking it to like labels you know this women's community artists Mm -hmm. people of color community but that's also you know congregating around certain ways of being Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And those identities, obviously, I, you know, I, 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 and my, my goal isn't to invalidate anybody's identity, but I need to make it clear that those identities were formed within this cultural system that has made us feel as though we have to find community through certain avenues that actually don't assist us, right? So, and then when you're in that community, it's being perpetuated. And so you're relating not necessarily on the, actual experience and the emotional process of that identity or the humanness of that identity you're relating on the surface level items or the checklist of what it looks like to be in that identity and like I've had a lot of experience with people who you know they've been a part of those communities because we all share womanness we all share um gender expression or you know insert whatever identity you can into that label and yet they you know they feel very isolated right? And I, I, I think there's a difference between feeling isolated and lonely. Because in those spaces, you know, when people say things like isolation, you know, you can be amongst people, you can be amongst 100 people and still feel lonely, right? So technically, you're not physically isolated, but you're experiencing this separation at the same time, that's an emotional experience. And I think that's that, that piece that you were talking about, that we're somehow not able to speak about only because of the 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 contracts that we've made to keep each other comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's I mean I mean even breaking that down that way it's I mean it's not functional it's it's not effective I take that back it's not effective (laughs) yeah because it allows the status quo to continue so it's functional in that in that sense if we're always trying to feel better That's not really true community. You know, we've had conversations where we've talked about this. It's not about escaping feelings or getting to this better feeling and who determines what the better feeling is, but it's actually to feel, to feel more because that is the human experience. And that's how we can actually be in community. 
Yes, absolutely. That reminds me of um, something that happened in the last month's workshop in the UMLA. We were talking about privilege and power, and I think it becomes very um, heavy in the room because the students are starting to, the members of the program are starting to intellectualize this, right? And then they don't know what to do with it emotionally because it's so overwhelming. It's like, okay, this there's this thing in the room. Now, what do we do about it? One of the members raised their hand and asked the facilitator, you know, what, how do I, how do I not feel this way? And uh, the facilitator basically kind of smirked and he responded, you know, it's not necessary, you know, to get rid of an emotion. Everybody just wants to avoid it. Right. He goes, sometimes in order to, you know, make that emotion, now I don't want to say get better, but just kind of decrease because sometimes the volume is on so high. You have to walk through it, not walk away from it. And that's exactly what we're talking about, right? These communities, these quote unquote communities that we engage in, it's almost like we are actively choosing and consenting uh, to walk away from it. Yeah. And I, I would also say that in terms of the consent, it's a lot of times that we never consented to the systems that we are operating in. Like, that's not something that we, you know, it's like how you subscribe to a newsletter. It's not like we went and we, we subscribe to it. But we can unsubscribe for, from it because also that consent can be, you know, where I can say I don't give my consent anymore. Absolutely. I mean, but then I think, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot just from my own personal self. But in order to unsubscribe, you're going to hit a lot of walls. But that's in the discomfort. The, yeah. it's, it's not easy. So that this is the the other part of it. In order to get out of this model this is where you're going to really have to feel. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to move through your demons and make friends with them and notice what they are and tolerate this version of yourself that you didn't even realize existed. And then on top of everything else, the reason it becomes even more difficult is now you have to tolerate and hold space for other people's demons that they may not even see themselves. So you're doing the work for yourself and then you're looking towards other people. And you know I can't help but to tell you I mean, I, I can't, I'm always going to be honest. I resent other people for not unsubscribing because the the more people choose to unsubscribe, the more weight people who choose to unsubscribe have to hold. Because now we can't unsee what we've seen. Which is why it's so difficult to dismantle oppressive systems. A thousand percent. <laughs> and I believe this requires a level of consciousness because once you see things, you can't unsee them. That's the thing, right? Once you once you see a system in place and you see the oppression that's happening, you can't unsee that. And it becomes hard to just go back to that quote unquote comfort that you were promised, right? That is no longer an option, right? So we, we close that, at least for me, that has been my experience. Like that, that's no longer an option where now again, for this liberation to happen this is why we need community this is the importance of community in terms of creating that because then we can hold each other then you know some days we might be so exhausted we can't do anything but this is where our community actually holds us up this this is where we have that shared experience not around sameness in terms of i'm a woman or i'm a person of color or I am, you know, whatever it is, it's not, it, it's actually where we hold that space to embrace our diversity, to have disagreements, to have conflicts. So, you know, we have, I've done an episode on safe spaces 
and to be able to create those spaces where it's about liberation it's not about you know like just perpetuating sameness more of the same yeah because in that sameness I mean we're all we've all subscribed to the same toxicity (laughs) right and so ironically you have to kind of step out and then choose to say okay I don't want to subscribe to sameness anymore but now you have to deal with one, the consequences of stepping out of that group, and two, the work that you have to put in in finding other people who have stepped out of your group as well. And there are, and I, in, in this, you know, and it's heavy. I'm not gonna lie about that, but there are other people who are willing to do this work with you, and we are looking for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that within those groups, so I don't want to also dismiss people and their experiences as a particular group right because for example people of color and their marginalization that's an experience that a lot of them share are women and their own journey that is an experience that they share or definitely the lgbtq plus community in terms of their experience where even up to 1973 being homosexual was listed as a disorder right Mm -hmm. they share that experience And so acknowledge like those experiences are very real, but really if I've never had your experience, I don't know that I can create a space where you're never triggered because I will say the wrong things. You know, I may not use your right pronouns because I have not, um, you know, it's it's not something that I'm so accustomed to using that I'll make mistakes, but that you can correct me and it's okay. And that we can, have that messiness as well Mm. and because that's being human and connect around that messiness but I feel a lot of times even doing diversity equity and inclusion work it's that that messiness cannot you know it's like where our perfectionism comes in and we have to get it right and we have to say the right things and we can't upset anybody and the people who end up suffering because of that are the people who are marginalized because of those systems absolutely right and when you're talking about those those systems I can't help but to think about the system that I'm in in higher education and I think a lot of us have just consented to creating to your point safe spaces where there's no conflict and I I find that so interesting because that's not real um you know there's uh in group dynamics there's there's like different stages um so the first one is like normalizing right? I don't know if it's the second or third, but it gets into trusting, right? And you can't be um, comfortable and at your peak within a group until you have um, true comfort and trust that the people in the group, no matter what happens, are going to be able to hold you. Mm. We don't have that in our community because we are so terrified of stepping over someone's personal line and we don't want that responsibility, which is so ironic, right? Because we are going to inevitably do it. It doesn't matter. You're going to step over people's toes, right? You're gonna, you got it's it's we're all bunched up, right? The crabs in a brow. We're gonna hurt each other. We're gonna like, and it's not intentional, but until we start talking about that and the fact that we ourselves have boundaries and the fact that, oh, maybe I do need more space, maybe we need to get out of this barrel, right? Um we're not going to be able to move forward and it's not going to change. And I think community now is this um, performative uh, 
think I don't even know what to call it. It just it's become so performative, and it, it it it's it's this uh it's almost like you're acting and you're playing a role and you're on display and the theater lights are on and the audience is watching because that's my experience of it a thousand percent. And the reality is that even if I were to speak up and say, "Hey, I don't like when you do that," or I don't feel comfortable when you're sitting so close to me. I'm going to experience discomfort at your sense for your comfort. And we're all doing it in silence. And then it's hostile. <laughs> there we go. It, communities have become hostile and it's passive aggressive. And all we have to do is start talking about boundaries and the fact that we all have them, whether we understand them or not. And sometimes we're not going to understand it. And sometimes the other person can tolerate it. And sometimes you can't. But that's the, the trial and error of life, right? Like with any relationship, you don't just stay with the same person you started off with, even if they're not good for you, right? That's the whole point of dating. That's the whole point of uh, engaging in different friendships, right? Like, why don't we do this in larger spaces? Mm -hmm. Even boundaries is something that I've been looking at in terms of how we've created even false boundaries. I mean, we've divided up the world into boundaries, right? This is my country and this is your country and we can't cross that boundary because that's my border. Also, in terms of communicating, right, that we get so heavy on the boundaries that we don't even let people in. And that is something that's so necessary for connection, for communities. And I, I feel a lot of times where we're, we're taught that we need to learn boundaries, but I feel it's also the unlearning because where like you, you watch a toddler, right? Uh, what they call terrible twos. And Gabor Mate talks about this and he says, it's like, we think that's like the child acting out. And we, we look to discipline the child and the word that they hear a lot is no in, in that phase, like stop it, no, you know, those things. But it's actually a child setting boundaries right? It's actually the process of a child setting boundaries. So we know how to do this, this as humans, and we know how to communicate this way. But a lot of times also, we are not setting boundaries because we are afraid of upsetting people. Again, that form of protection that only keeps us trapped in oppressive systems. It's not really true freedom in terms of, hey, Sasha, if I say this, like you're free to speak up, you're afraid to say that. And I don't see how we've gotten to the, the place where that becomes a problem. It just becomes this, like, we have to have these formulas for engaging. And once you have formulas for engaging, you're not engaging authentically. Yeah. I mean, to your question, you, I mean, I know it was rhetorical, but I started thinking about it immediately. Like, how did we get here? Right. Why did speaking up become an issue? Um, to me, that, that that's the actual definition of what an adult is, ironically enough. <laughs> what At least what I, this, what I think an adult should be. Um, and I I think it has a lot to do with one, what we become used to, um, two, the, the very systems that are supposed to be um, helping us are actually creating a lot of shame and guilt within. And then what happens when that shame and guilt is almost triggered, when you hear that someone else didn't like what you did, it almost becomes exacerbated with your own personal experiences and then now you feel the shame once more, but the shame isn't necessarily always yours to hold. It's not the, the most beneficial response to trying to connect to somebody. And it's almost like we're trying not to trigger each other's shame responses now, because I think that's why a lot of us react. And it also has to do with privilege, 
to your point of the systems that we live in, right? Like when you are so privileged, you don't have practice with experiencing empathy in a larger uh, social sense. And so that shame is going to be triggered. And then instead of saying, oh, let me try and see it a different way, you don't have, and, I, and I'm here, I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume <laughs> that you do not have the necessary tools to take the empathy route, right? Um, that is that is me giving people grace, right? Mm -hmm. And that, um, if you keep doing it, then I'm going to assume that you're doing this out of your own comfort. And then I get mad. But I think there's this weird process that happens when we get checked, right? It's like the shame. Because I think you said it in another episode, you know, if you're not performing well, this I think it was in the authenticity episode, if we're not performing up to standard, there is a level of shame that we inevitably experience. So I think when, let's say you and I, Tanuja, get into an argument, right? And then you feel as though you're not good enough. But instead of saying, Sasha, I don't feel like I'm good enough, right? But then that takes work on your end, a lot of introspective work. I don't feel like I'm good enough to be in this friendship. We can have an honest conversation from that route. But what ends up happening is, Tunisia, you say like, what's your problem? I'm trying my best, right? <laughs> And, and then all communication gets cut off. Yeah. I hear you on uh, the shame part as well, because it becomes this vicious cycle, right? I feel ashamed, then I feel so alone. And then I go to this community to not feel, you know, where I get into people pleasing mode and I'm trying to get people to like me. And it's hard because then you don't feel seen, you don't feel heard. And the fixing of, I have to fix myself. There's something wrong with me. I have to make myself better. And basically, at the end of the day, oppressive systems were not designed for community because we can't be authentic. And if you can't be authentic, you can't create community. And then we go and we create these, you know, what we label as community, these transactional type of relationships. We have to change ourselves. We have to say things differently. We have to go take a communications class to learn how to interact as humans when in fact you do know how to interact as humans it's that you're part of a system that was not designed for humans yep absolutely thousand percent i still struggle with community and i know that's something that's important but it's also not wanting to throw myself into spaces where I have to go and perform and play that role as well, because I know what's happening when I go into those spaces and I know it's not authentic and my body is basically saying, get out. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be there anymore. And then I feel bad. At least this used to happen in the past where I would feel bad, like, oh, wow, these people are really nice. Like, why don't mm -hmm. I want to be here? But even the niceness is part of the performance. Yeah, it's... Uh... You sit there like perplexed and you're, and you're like, what's, and then again, what's wrong with me? Hmm, why? Maybe, maybe I am too negative. And I used to think that all the time. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I don't think I'm too negative anymore. I think I'm, I see exactly what I see. <laughs> I go, I'm, I fluctuate through depressed and I'm going to say depressive symptoms because if I say I'm depressed, then I get labeled. Right. But I, I, I'm more on, and I'm more on a realistic side, I think, where my depressive symptoms, they make sense to me. This is not the kind of world I would choose to live in if I could, if I ever had a choice. It's just not. And so even in that process, right, like I think, I think the, the thing that that hits most you were you were talking about 
you know, you literally went through A, went A through Z in the process of figuring out how you're going to maintain your sense of life, <laughs> not just identity yourself, but just your life, your existence, your, your basic security needs. And in that process, right, we all become so fixated. It's like the horse with the blinders on doing what's necessary for ourselves or for the people that we've chosen to work for. And, and we trample over so many other people doing it. Um, and we don't even recognize, right? And I think it's so interesting to me that we don't recognize that we're stepping on the very same people that we say we're in community with. And, and then we rationalize it. And we say, oh, well, they should have moved. Or in this figurative uh, example, right? They should have moved out of my way. They should have done this. And it's like, well, and they don't, we don't recognize the amount of power we hold in these very same communities, right? Because we've all been made to feel so powerless. And now we're, I mean, going back to your crabs in the barrel example, right? Now we're just literally ripping each other apart. And then, and then we go into spaces and say, oh my God, I love this community. Like, I find it so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Again, asking that question, how did we get to the point like where we operate this way, where we lose touch with our own humanity? I was curious though, what do you, what do you meant by like, if, you know, like where we're stepping on top of each other in our own community? I think, you know, I always tell my students, in your goal, of, you know, a lot of students come into college saying, I want to be able to be financially apt to buy my mother a house or take care of my family, right? And I and I, I respect and admire those goals. And it comes from a place of integrity and love. I genuinely do believe that. And at the same time, they don't have the capacity to think about what that process actually looks like, right? So when I ask them things like, because these are the, the kinds of conversations we have, I mean, one-on-one -on -one and in the workshops and in my FYS, um, when I ask them things like, do you believe you're a good person? They'll always tell me yes. Right. But then when we go deeper into it, and I believe that they want to be good people. And when we actually go into the systems that they're operating in, and when they see the the way that they have to not, not only interact with people, but also blatantly ignore other people in order to reach their goal, they always, and this is usually in the beginning when we first start having this conversation, they will choose themselves. And so I tell them that that's fine. I can't not say that you can or cannot do that because I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not any, I'm just their counselor and the Yumale director, right? But at the end of the day, I tell them that's fine. But don't forget that in that process, you are also consenting to other people like yourselves to step on the family members that you are trying to protect, including your own self, because they have their own goals and their own process as well. So we're all kind of, you know, fighting against each other without really recognizing that we're doing it. And then we kind of come up and say, like, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I don't think I'm a bad person. And I don't think anybody wants to be a bad person. But it's very interesting how, you know, that saying the road to hell is paved with good intentions. When we don't stop to think about what we're doing, we end up hurting people. And then mm -hmm. it just it's very easy to just ignore what we're doing because everybody else is. And then we individualize our own problems. Mm -hmm. And it's also very hard to stop because you can't stop. If you, if, again, that's where, where if you stop, that's when your needs are not going to be met. For example, you decide, hey, I need to take a uh, break in my career even and just stop. Like that's another 
a bunch of problems that brings up fear for so many people to, you know, because also getting having distance from that system to see what's really happening. That's not even allowed in the system because of what it could lead to. Something that you mentioned in terms of being good people. And for me, what works now is like using integrity and going more on the inside, because I also feel that's when you're attached to the rules of society in terms of what it means to be a good person or a bad person versus it's not about not being a bad person or being a good person, but what would I do if I wasn't operating in this model, right? Because in the barrel, there there are rules of engagement. And how would I operate if there was no barrel? And tapping, and of course that has consequences. So sometimes you can't execute on that. Even, you know, if you want to, like we see, in terms of sometimes speaking out against injustice. Yeah. There are real consequences to that, but also checking in with yourself so that you know that there's nothing wrong with you for being like, a, you know, what we call a bad child. It's just a child expressing themselves. Yeah, I, I spoke about this with uh, somebody else. So this is not my idea. I just have to say that. Um, but I was asking like, how, you know, in a philosophical way, how can we define what good actually is? And, you know, there's no real definition for it, to your point. I think it's all relative with uh, what the culture looks like now, how our technology, how advanced our technology is, and how that affects us as human beings. So, like, we're going to keep moving the, the I don't, it's not even moving in a, lean, a linear way. It's like, we're going to keep changing the definition of what good means, right? But ultimately, I think there's a level of, operating with, to your point, integrity and a value system where you are understanding of the fact that there are other people with you and that your actions have consequences, not just for your own self, but for the other people that are around you as well. And not because you want to be the, and, and it's interesting, right? Because <laughs> this society is, is so backwards to me. It, I don't think if you said that to many people, they would say, oh, I really want to be that kind of person, right? Like that's not, that's not the marketing technique to 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 use it uh, for, right? Like to 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 get them to get there. That's my point. Um, the marketing technique should actually be in this very individualistic society. If you don't want other people to step on you, don't step on other people. Because <laughs> it never like you know like we. It's so sad to me, but I think that you know people don't see the consequences until the consequences are placed on themselves. Like mm-hmm. they have to deal with it, right? And so if you don't want, and granted, they're always gonna be the there's always gonna be the person who's trying to outrace everybody and be number one, right? But then I think for the I want to believe in the good of human beings. Um, I think that for a lot of us, we would opt out of hurting other people, understanding that well, one, it's inconvenience. It's a it's an inconvenience for us to to experience that and then still have to survive. But then two, once you experience it, you don't want to do that to other people, you know? Yeah. You know, like even the issue of like climate change and why we continue again, what's in it for me? I guess people are not seeing that connection. What's in it for me is a big part of the capitalist system in terms of getting people to buy things, to show them how this will be for their greater good. But it's also from that very individualistic perspective and one of the things as you were talking that was, uh, you know, coming up in uh, regards to community is that 
for the greater good, sometimes we are going to have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we are going to have to give up that comfort. And that's something that we have to look at because at other times, some people will have to be uncomfortable for us to be in a place where we are held and, and supported. And a lot of times it's that people don't want to give up that comfort. And it's how we've been trained as well in terms of, um, you know, uh, believing how life should be always this wonderful, happy experience when yeah. life is sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. And I was actually talking to a client recently and she was saying that as, as she's becoming more aware of these systems in place, that she doesn't know who she is anymore. And there's a lot of sadness around that. And for me, that was like a celebration that she and I actually ended up talking about that the definitions come from those systems. And, and that's what we're holding on to, to feel that we are in community but in fact, if I don't know who I am anymore, it's actually a great thing. It's actually, you know, where I'm no longer allowing those definitions to control me and how I show up. And mm -hmm. one of the things that she said to me that was so beautiful was that she feels like when she's holding space for all of the emotions, and they're not comfortable emotions by any means, but even the feeling um, like I don't know who I am anymore that's when she's actually able to hold space for other people, even people with opposing views, because no longer is she needing them to be who she wants them to be for her to feel comfortable. That is what I want for everyone to be able to feel that. And I can say by, you know, by no means am I feeling that all the time. And I'm not speaking here as a person with authority or a person who knows better than anyone else. I'm speaking here from my own experience in terms of when we not allow us ourselves to be defined, when we are okay with feeling those things, that's when we have space for other human beings. And that's when we can start to create a community where we are allowed to be humans and allowed to have human experiences and allowed to bring our differences. And we know that we are going to be accepted because it's like going into that space that I started off talking about where you go into that space and you can say the thing that's on your, your your mind and you don't have people attacking you and telling you why you're wrong because that's your experience. Yeah, I think, you know, it's very interesting, right? It, it's liberating to under, and it's also scary at the same time to hold all of that, right? Because one, you're grieving a sense of yourself and there's a lot at play with regards to the the fantasy or whoever you thought you were kind of that little bubble being popped and you're like, oh, it's not that, okay. But then two, you know, we don't recognize this as a great thing to your point because we're so used to holding on so tight. So when we're consumed with keeping the structure that we're used to, that takes up mental energy. And then, you know, in a physical standpoint, if you have to hold uh, a structure up, right? This is what you've um, created and this is what you know, it's taxing on your body, right? But then let's say it gets dismantled and now you no longer have to hold anything up. That discomfort you're feeling isn't because it's wrong. It's more so because of the fact that you're not used to it. And so I wish more people to your point would lean into that feeling and recognize that ironically, that's healthier uh, because healthy nowadays is going to feel uncomfortable because of what we've been conditioned towards. Um, and when you lean into it, 
it's more vast, it's open. There's more room for exploration. There's room, more room to see because you're no longer fixated on holding something on your shoulders, right? Uh, because that's where your focus was. Now your focus is is in the the whole open space and that can feel overwhelming, yes. And to your point, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Because as I think of that, it's to what you're saying is that we can hold the multiple emotions and mo- hold multiple experiences at the same time. It's not just, I have to hold this comfortable experience all the time, which in itself is a burden, which is exhausting because that's not, that's going against who we are as humans but it's also holding discomfort and 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 liberations to experiences that can happen at the same time and Mm -hmm. that is human like what I said to her when we were talking uh my client is that think of yourself as the ocean and I'm holding up a glass right now and having to fit yourself into this like contain yourself to this glass right and say this is comfort think of how much energy you have exert in order to do that to fit yourself into that and that's what we do in a presence and we think this is it like this is the glass that we have to maintain when no if you just let that go which is not going to be comfortable if, if the glass is all that you've known it's not going to be comfortable but that's liberation is the ocean being the ocean and the ocean being able to hold when it's calm the ocean being able to hold the turbulent waves the ocean being able to hold hurricanes happening the ocean being able to hold all of it and think of recognizing that that's who you are but it also I I believe very difficult for people to give up the glass because that's what they've been holding on to for safety and this is where again that idea of privilege it's like you know I am not going to give up my comfort when you recognize that if you give that up what you you know what you gain is so much more but I think I I believe a lot of people are not seeing that they're just looking at it from that perspective of loss and you're going to have to lose something you are going to lose that and I believe that's like where a lot of people get stuck because also the systems condition us to to think of like what is it that we have to lose um versus what is it costing us to stay in these uh in these spaces yep absolutely Mm mm-hmm and the other thing that I, I I love that you said was that, you know, like where we feel that we have to hold this thing up. And I feel with community, like real true community, right? A lot of times, again, it's like playing the role to fit into that community. What is it like to be, uh, you know, a good person of color that, that yeah. you know, that that's in this community? And with a true community, we don't have to hold anything up. You're just authentic and you're showing up authentically. Right. Because you know that whichever, you know, however you come to that space, you are going to be accepted if it's a true community. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, that's really difficult because we don't know where people are in their journeys. And sometimes we come to those spaces and we are not accepted as we are. And that's when it becomes easy to think that the problem is me. Like I'm not showing up as a good member of the community when it had nothing to do with you. Yeah, I think it's the the contract should be, I'm going to work with you as a flawed human being, (laughs) right? I wish we said that to each other more often. (laughs) Yeah, but this conversation, I just want to, I mean, I could go on for hours and I know we've gone on for a long time already, but I wanted to ask you, Sasha, is there anything else that you wanted to say um, just in terms of your experiences of creating community, your experiences of being in community, anything else that you want to say before we end? I'll keep it nice and simple. I think, you know, uh, especially when you're charged with being in community, uh, 
one, you have to throw the title out just because you're in charge of it doesn't mean anything because community is everybody, including its members, and they actually make up most of the community. So we have to listen to those members, right? Uh, two, I would say, don't be afraid because it's very scary. Uh, but the more you do it, I think the better things get. Don't be afraid to kind of show your humanness. And in order to be in touch with your humanness, you also have to be in touch with who you are. So you also have to have that relationship with yourself. Um, because I think in all honesty, I think seeing people's humanity and in return asking them to see my humanity, like I, at least with my students and this particular um, program, this sub-program within a program essentially that I, I, I guess I, I hate saying this, but like that I lead, right? I've seen it grow and I've seen I've seen students come in for conversations that we'd never think that they'd want to come to, but they're all showing up and they really want to be there, even if they can't verbalize why, right? But I, I think when you're human with them and you show them that you're flawed and you see their humanity and instead of expecting them to do certain things uh, and you work with them and you understand that they're also part of the system, right? I mean, humanity at its core is exactly how you you start to build some kind of community. And it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. It has to be paid. I, 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 <laughs> my patience, even if I want to, um, is inevitably going to be uh, expanded and pushed as long as I'm in, in this space because I have to be able to hold that space for people to be human, even with my own flaws kind of projecting onto them and like I have to kind of, it's it's a lot of work and um it's not easy but it, at the end of the day when I whenever I do engage in like large groups with the the guys or my students um or even when I'm at work like I love when they come to me and they trust me right that's such a good feeling um I think that's worth it but it doesn't come easy and I and I need to emphasize that it does not come easy it takes work <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I also think of what's the alternative, right? Of I mean, because often we, we think of, you know, liberation comes with a lot of work and comes with a lot of discomfort. But what is the status quo is not like easy either. And yeah, I think we talked about this when we talked about authenticity, because yeah. a lot of times people are like, oh, that's so hard. It is right. And, and I, I'm just one of those, I think, uh, temperamentally, one of those people who cannot tolerate the status quo anymore. I refuse to, it, 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 I'm sick thinking about it, right? So that's become my how-to, right? Like in, in figuring out, all right, so how do I build something different? It's what I don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think more about community. I think, you know, we are not allowed to be authentic and exist as humans in a dehumanizing system. That's just the system, right? And having community means coming back and really owning your humanness, right? Owning that you're not perfect, owning that you're going to make mistakes. Oh, and they're not even mistakes, they're just life. They're just what you do as part of life. I mean, it's, again, language, right? Being aware of language in terms of, in terms of talking about those things and to recognize that to really, truly be in community, you have to own your humanness because then you can acknowledge others in their humanness and not expecting them to be a certain way right to be accepted um to be loved to be seen to be heard like all of that and that is hard 
that is hard. And this is why a lot of us are parts of communities and we still feel very much alone. We don't, we don't feel seen where we try to fix ourselves to fit into that community. And that's not community at all. Community is where you're allowed to be human, but it also means that you have to do the work to allow others to be human. So collectively, we all have to do that work and that's community. Oh, that sounds so beautiful because I would feel less stressed, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like my ideal life. Yes, but you're absolutely right. But we have to enroll everybody into doing that. And that's the difficult part when we are operating from that place of privilege and when people are not really committed to liberation, they're committed to privilege. And I think that's what happens in oppressive systems is that we, we, you know, when we talk about success and we talk about all of those things, it's how do I climb higher on this corporate ladder? How do I have more status? How do I have more power? And that is not what true community is. It's not creating superiority and inferiority it's actually us being on the same plane, interacting as humans. We've said a lot and I've learned a lot from talking to you and your views as well. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. That's very sweet. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you a thousand percent. I do. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Seek Human Spaces. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Catch you next time and remember to be human. <laughs>